you know, one of the things I like doing about the podcast is, is like yesterday, Sean was taking it, us inside as a former voter of the Norris Trophy because we were talking about, you know, Miro in the second half. Craig, you and I have talked about how we wanted him to be more offensive, and that's certainly been the case. He's certainly more aggressive in the offensive zone. So uh, in that perspective, have you what have you seen defensively? Because you keep hearing odd man rush, odd man rush, and it just seems as though Stars defensemen get caught in the zone. So from a defenseman's perspective, are you seeing any, any like thing that's different with them? Are you seeing anything different with Yanni Hockenpah, who was minus four um, the other night, and his playing time slowed down? Uh, do you think it's time they reinsert Nils Lundqvist in the lineup for the Stars? I mean... You're going off of you're going off of Hawk and Paw because of the game last night, and and there were two. There's two goals there that I, I and listen. I I used I used Hawk and Paw with one of our defensemen two days ago in a meeting, and I try to I try to look at the players that we have and say, listen, you know, who do you watch play in the NHL, and what's your team and things like that. When they tell me the team, and then I'll say, okay. I got, I used, uh, I used Delandria a couple times with a couple guys. I've used Gallagher in Montreal, uh, a couple times. I, you know, I, I've used, I don't, I try not to go with the superstar guys. Right. But, I, but if I do, I'll tell them, listen, <laughs> odds are you're not going to be this guy, but I want you to watch the way he goes about his business. And, and I used talking Paul with, with a defenseman and we've got a defenseman that we got halfway through the year last year. He's six, five. He's got to grow into his feet and, you know, he's got to be a little bit more physical and there's a lot of things that he has to do. But, but I said, I want you to watch how Hawk and Paw plays because I like the way he plays. And um, does he, did he get elevated this year into a, you know, top four where maybe he's a, you know, four or five kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But, I, but he does a lot of the right things and he can be hard to play against. He's physical. He's got a long reach with his stick. Um, he's not, Haskinen and he knows he's not Haskinen so he's the kind of defenseman that you know they're just quiet and go about their business were there a couple couple there last night you know there was the second one for sure um you know there's got to be a little bit more strength in front of the net it's hard for me to tell on the first goal I, I don't know if, if how we got to the front of the net that late on that that yep. kind of a tip in right in front of Otter but um but the thing is is you're going into the playoffs and we, we know what playoff hockey is. You're, you're going to – Hawk and Posh should be a big, big part of what's going to go on in the playoffs. I mean, he's going to be a physical guy. Um, you know, that, that's what you need in the playoffs. And, and with that size, he can, he can do a lot of things when he's on top of his game. Now, are you talking about bringing him in and giving him a rest for any chance? Like, you know, at, at this time of the year – but, again, now you're looking at the standings. Yeah. So – is there a reason that Hanley comes in and Lundquist is out and Hanley's played what, I don't know, what was it? Five, six games in a row or whatever. So are they trying to give each one of those guys a fair look to see who would be the right guy to start in the playoffs? Um, And maybe it's got a lot to do with the opponent. Maybe they feel that if they play, you know, a Colorado over, I don't know, a Calgary, is that going to make a difference? It would to me. Um, I would think Hanley would probably be better suited if you played a team like Calgary, for instance, um, versus a team that's a little bit more, not as aggressive, not as big, doesn't play as rough of a game. So, uh, but when it comes to Hawk and Pot, I, I'm not, 
I'm not too concerned about the guy. I think, I think, you know, what he is, um, you know, but when you talk about the, the defensive side of things and the defenseman and Merrill's been on the other end of a couple of them. Yeah. I mean, the one that, that Larson scored the overtime goal the other yeah. night. You know, I think Miro could have been a little bit harder on Larson. Larson can't outskate Miro. That there, that was a that overtime goal. Uh, the Donov, you know, I think he kind of got caught out of position a little bit there too. And 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 you know, guys got to come from the other side to ice to defend when once they get back to the net. But um, you know, it, it's. But what was the first thing that Pete DeBoer said in his press conference at the beginning of the year when he got hired, if you remember? And he, he said, listen, this is a good defensive team. And there's some things you just don't want to touch. But what did he want to do? He wanted to unlock the offense. Mm-hmm. That Those were his exact words. And I remember him because I meant, I, I remember going, okay, how are you going to unlock the offense unless you're going to get, you know, some, some, add some pieces to it. And when you want to unlock the offense, you know, there's a little give and take. And, you know, and, and, and the, the give is you're giving up something defensively. And so I, and again, look at this team. <laughs> They're an exciting team. They can score goals. We talk about how, yeah, they can they can come back from two goals down. Do they get good starts all the time? Not all the time. Do they give up the first goal too often? Yes, they do sometimes. But, you know, they're finding things that they can lean on in the playoffs. They get down in a playoff game and say, hey, we've come from behind all year long. We'll do it again tonight. So, you know, th- that's kind of what, when you want to unlock the offense, you have to give something up a little bit. And, and I think we've seen that from Merrill. I mean, we talked about a lot about Merrill getting more involved than he really has. And, um, you know, he jumps up into the play. And, you know, I think Pete DeBoer's uh, concept is all about having a four-man attack. And that fourth man has got to be a defenseman. So that, that's kind of what you see. So there's a little give and take. Hey, the league is like that, right? I mean, everybody's talking about, Jesus, why are there so many goals being scored this year? You know, and I think part of it is, is the way the player is being brought up. Um, they're more offensive. They've got these personal instructors when they're kids and they're, they're taught more about how to create offense than they are how to prevent it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you have two veterans out of your lineup, like, I mean, Mason Marchman's not truly, a, I mean, he hasn't been in the league too long, but enough years along with Tyler Sagan. Um, while the offensive production might be down. I mean, Tyler Sagan, I think, has turned into a pretty good defensive forward and, uh, you know, has the ability to get back into the defensive zone. So, I mean, I, I don't want to put it all on the defenseman because I think that's the natural thing, similar to football and a cornerback. Um, but, you know, you also don't see on that play who was supposed to be covering initially, and a lot of times the forward gets caught in the zone and can't get back. So there's that. I just, you know, it, it is tough when you see an Adam Larson and a Tyler Toffoli a few weeks ago break out in the last minute and score. Th- those are the tough, not the two fastest skaters. That's that's the concern that I have, and and it's 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 a it's the timing of things, start of games, end of periods, end of games. But then again, like I said, I mean, look at. Jamie scores a goal with less than a second left to tie it up. The other yeah. So there Dallas is finding ways to do the very, a lot of teams are finding ways to do the very same thing. You know, that it, the, the whole lockdown, lock it down. It doesn't seem, I mean, there are a few teams that have that mentality. Um, but I think there's more teams that, that are kind of just free flying around. And if they give it up in the last minute, they give it up in the last minute. Now, my big problem with all that is, 
you know, playoff time that usually doesn't result in good things. And so, um, you know, somebody asked me the other night, we were, <clears throat> we, when we were playing, well, we were getting ready for one of our games, our men's league games uh, the other night. And um, we just got talking about when Dallas, when, when we came to Dallas, when we moved from Minnesota to Dallas and, you know, Bob Ganey was the general head coach at the time. And then the GM and then Hitchcock came into town and all this other kind of stuff. And I, and, and the game just kind of changed for us. And kids, Bob didn't like what he saw. He didn't like a team that was, he called them 500 players. I didn't know what he meant at the time. And, but he felt that there were players that, that we came from Minnesota with that were win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And it was okay. And that mentality was going to change. And that's kind of mentality came from Montreal. And the next thing you know, you got Brian Scrudlin coming, Mike Keane coming, Guy Carboneau coming. You know, they were all guys from Montreal and they were all coming here. And that's because there was a certain style that we played in Montreal. And it was about defending. If they can't score, they can't win. And, and so, you know, the door isn't quite as wide open when you play a certain style. And, and, and the concept was, is like, we're not going to start to tighten things up in, in when we have 15 games left in the season. We're not going to start working on practices. How do we shut this down? How do you tighten things up? We're going to do it for 82 games so that when game 83 comes, it's like we play in one goal games all the time and, and we play tight ass games. And, and so our mentality was to, to play 82 playoff games because when 83 comes, that's what you're playing as playoff games. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's the way I was kind of raised. And I think that's how we kind of try to teach our kids and, and it's hard with our kids because you know they're they're used to kind of letting they they get to run free and so we try to put some different things in place and try to get them to understand is when you know when it's 30 seconds to go in a game and we're up a goal we want all of you guys to be players that can be on the ice you know in the last 30 seconds of a game when you're up a goal yeah. you know not there can only you're not all going to be up on the ice when you're down a goal because you all don't have that offensive ability, but you can all learn how to play defense if we can teach you right. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, Sean and I were talking yesterday, the, the ability and the smoothness in which the Donoff has fit into this offense. Uh, it just seems like he's been there all year. Um, as you talked about bringing in your players that know your style. Um, and speaking of that last goal, Craig, I'm sure it happened to you all the time, but it's, 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 Usually would be called a cross check what Jamie Ben did the other night to free up some space in the front of the net. Correct. Uh, yeah. If you, if, I mean, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I mean, it's a it's a smart play by Ben because what's the worst case scenario? You get called for a penalty. Well, well, the thing about it is, is when you look at the referee that was in the zone, he was on the other side of the ice. You know, and so it's it's six on five. Yep. And so there's you know, four, five, six guys in front of the net. Did he see it? I know. And then I tried to find out where the, the other referee was. And he was on the Jamie Ben side of the X. He was on the bench side. So why he didn't see it or call it, I don't know, but there have been a few other games that have, they've kind of let that stuff go. Now, as we're getting closer to playoffs, it always seems, and you will hear players and general manners and everybody else complain about it. They come into the season, the first few games, man, it's tight. Every little thing is called. They power play, power play, power play. Then you get to the halfway mark, and a couple of them that were called, you know, in October are not being called in January. And then when you get, you know, about this time of the year, there's more things that are, are, that are let go. Because there's, 
more things on the line, right. you know? And so I don't know if that has anything. The, the referees will tell you, no, listen, we call the game the same way. I don't think so. Yeah. There were a couple that we've seen a lot of calls that they let go. Um, uh, but anyway, you know, and you're right. I mean, there, there's one second to go in the game. Jamie's been in this league for a long time. We talk about time and score all the time. He knows what the time and score is. So um, if it gets called back, it gets called back, but we got a, we got two seconds left and I'm just surprised the player that gets, that gets cross checked in the back yes. by Ben, which I think was done. I'm not it sure. It is. He's having a great year. Yeah. And yeah, he's, I think he's leading their team in scoring, yeah. but he doesn't, he doesn't say a thing. That's what he I was thinking play. too. I'd be flipping out. I mean, and that, and again, that's not a play that's going to be reviewed and they're going to call the goal back. So you know, maybe, maybe, I mean, Dunn's been in the league for a long time. So maybe he's going, hey, you know what, what am I going to do? So, but yeah, I mean, Jamie got away with one. There's yeah. no question about it, but is it a suspendable? If it was, no. if somebody did, it's not that it's a, it's a, I think what the referees will say is, hey, that's a battle in front of the net. Yeah. It was from behind. It was a, and Jamie actually uh, cross-checked. I, I don't know if it was him or somebody else just prior to that. Yeah, he, he did. It was Jamie out. again. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and again, that, that, see, that's, that's the Jamie Ben that, that we've known for years. Sure. Right. And, and it's a reason Jamie's got 30, you know, whatever he's got 30, 31 goals this year is yeah. he's, he's back to the, to the guy that we all, that we know. And that's one of the big reasons why this team is, um, you know, where they're at. I, I said this in the beginning, like, you know, over the summer, all this talk about Jamie Ben, how they're going to, you know, take his minutes away and he's going to be down on the third line and all this other kind of stuff. The brilliant thing that DeBoer did, in my opinion, is, yep, he's on the third line. Yep, he's playing with a couple of kids that I think are kind of like the fountain of youth form and they're both good players um, that he's playing with, obviously. But what the main thing was is he found a way to make up those minutes for Jamie and that was to put him on that top power play unit. And what has it done? He Does he lead the group in power play? Uh, if he doesn't lead him in power play goals, he's right there. I think he's got like 12, 12 power play goals this year. So yeah. 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 And I mean, Wyatt Johnston is such a great line mate for him. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, smart. that, that goal that, that Wyatt scored the late one, it, it just, and that's, I believe that was a power play goal, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and we got to give credit to Dodonoff who kind of went to the front of the net and that created two Kraken players that moved over toward him, which left open Johnston on the backside. It does, but but just watch how many players in the league that when they play that half wall on the offside of the ice, and you know they're that take the shot guy, or you know if it can get through the crease and you know stay wide, and they stay over there, mm-hmm. and they're hoping for that. Why it doesn't do that when there's a scrum going on, he comes to the net. And that's what gives him the opportunity to get to that puck first, because he didn't just stay wide. He didn't stay over there somewhere by by the hash marks on the wall. You know what I mean? He, when it was going on on the other side of the ice below the goal line, and it was starting to get tight in front of the net, he doesn't just hang over there and hope a puck comes to him. He starts coming to the net and it's the reason he gets the puck at the time he gets it. The goalie doesn't have any time to get across. Imagine if he would have stayed over there, the puck still would have got to him, but how much more time does that give that goaltender to get from one side of the ice to the other? Yeah. So by him doing, uh, he's just a smart player. I mean, he's just, he's just a smart, smart kid. And it's weird because I mean, we talk about the wall and I know in junior hockey, as you mentioned in the beginning of the program, it's never ending. So it's not like, you know, these kids only play so much. Uh, but at the same time, it just seems like Wyatt Johnston is getting better. Like, you know, he's not hitting that wall. He's not slowing down. 
well, if he had any doubts coming in, and I'm sure all these kids at 18, 19 years old, they come in and, you know, and, and they hear the talk, they read the papers and the, the news, or I guess you don't read the papers anymore, but uh, look at it on their iPhone. And, but, you know, is, is, is this kid going to stay here? You know, they got to make a decision by game nine and all this other kind of stuff that comes along with that territory about getting sent, <clears throat> sent back to junior and all these other things. And so, so they have some, they have confidence, but they have some doubt. Are they going to keep me? Are they not going to keep me? They're looking at the lineup and they're seeing all these real good players on the team. And, but what's happened to Wyatt, I think every single game, he goes out there, he comes back at the end of the game and he drives home because he can't go to the bar. He can't drink yet. Right. So I'm sure he doesn't drink. Nope. 19. Nope. And so, but he's going, I belong. I can play in this. Yeah. I can, every game that Wyatt comes out of there, the belief gets stronger and stronger by now. He obviously knows he can play in this game and can imagine what this kid's going to be like in three or four years, you know? So um, and because, and the reason I say three or four years is because I think he's going to get bigger and he put a little more meat on the bones and, and, you know, you make a couple laps around the league, you know, things, you learn things. And so, you know, again, you talk about, <clears throat> you know, having the top three, that top line that they've had all year long. And when you can get scoring throughout your three lines and it really, the funny thing is it hasn't really been number one and number three, it's been number two line. You know what I mean? Just yeah. getting some consistently. Marshmint went through a little thing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but again, you get guys healthy, get them back in the lineup and you can be at least three lines offensively deep. Um, you know, you're, you're a dangerous team going into the playoffs. Who was your star's teammate that was like Joe Pavelski, where if a youngster came into the room, put their arm around and said, you're with me? Uh, that was a few of us. Like we had... Are you talking about when I was young? Well, no, or, when you were, I mean, when you were a player, I mean, you did say when you were in Montreal, Knuckles Nyland. Um, yeah. Did that. You know what, for what we had, we had an older group here, you know what I mean? Okay. Like Nui was here and, and Carbo was here and myself. And so, you know, when there were the, but we didn't really have a lot of young kids that were in the lineup like that. You know what I mean? Like, like this, this, I think this team was put together by Ganey, that the team that we had in, you know, 97, 98, 99, it, it was a team that was being uh, kind of marinated to play together, get to know each other over time. Because a lot of the times, I mean, we've seen it in New York with, with Kane coming in and some other player. I mean, you come in at the trade deadline, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the cup. You know, it doesn't mean you're tap dancing right into the finals. So it takes time. It takes time to learn, learn the personalities. And um, anyway, so we had, our room was getting, we, we I think we were, I think we were one of the oldest teams in the league at the time when we won in 99. So, um, so we had a veteran team, you know, so there, there, there wasn't just one or two guys, you know what I mean? But I, I think when you, when you look at a guy like Joe Pavelski, that, that's, and we can't, can't forget about Joe and should probably lead off with Joe, what he's done for Wyatt. Yeah. You know, he's living with them. Yep. So, and you talk about a guy that's got, that leads by example, by being on the ice, every morning for 16 years or 15, whatever Joe has played, going through the same routine, tipping a hundred pucks a day and doing all those things that Joe does on his own for himself, you know, for, to be part and in, in a major part of that club. Um, now you have your young up and coming kid to be able to live with them. So, you know, that, that that's been done around the league a few times too. So, um, but I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. That's why I said to you, like, this summer, I'd have been working on a 
an extension for Pavelski, whether he wanted to play next year or not to have him in this organization, because yeah. it's very obvious what he's doing with, with the young group there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned 1999. It's interesting. So I was doing my research on the Penguins leading into tonight's game and on penspittsburgh.com or pensburg.com, it says latest video from SB nation. Brett Hull's controversial triple overtime goal for the 1999 Stanley cup deserved a deep rewind. <laughs> so I've never asked you from your perspective, what did you see? And have you guys talked a lot about it, you know, publicly? Nope. We okay. never talked about it because in our minds, it was a goal. Uh, I, and again, I, I, apparently the way the rule read, like if, if the puck is in the crease, the puck has to precede you going into the crease. Everybody wants to get off on this whole skate in the crease thing. While the puck was in there, there was a shot. Hully went in and got it after it went in. Now I haven't really dissected it to see if his toll of his skate was in there prior to that, to that rebound coming in there. But you know, that that's the way the rule read, but, but you can tell that the NHL made a mistake implementing this rule a year prior or whatever it was, because they took it right out at the end of the year. Cause that at the start of the next season, there was no more being in the crease before the puck kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, and again, that's all part of, and again, it, for me, it was all about getting the goals up, you know, because at the time, you know, it was, it was a two, one, three, two league and they wanted to create more excitement and, and, and thank God they did it after I was done playing. Because in, in today's kind of game with the skill and talent that all 20 guys on the ice have, <clears throat> you know, I might as well have been doing radio. I mean, I'd have never played in that kind of a game. So um, I'm glad that they, you know, started changing it after I was done. And it is a more exciting game now. I, you know, I, yeah, would there, do I want to see more physicality? Yes. And, but when you're, when you have this kind of a league, this, and because they're saying when I, when I was a kid, and I was, you know, in college, they're like, this is how you're going to have to play. If you want to play in the NHL, you got to play a certain style. And I had Rick Wilson, our, our D coach in, in Dallas here as, as a coach in college. So I was hearing that. So I'm guessing um, those aren't the same messages. I mean, I have a hard enough time with our U18 guys trying to push them into a, one hit a game, Yeah, you know, and we're on them. And I show, I show them things every two, three, four days about how, dude, you can't just let this guy skate here and you can't let him skate there. And as much as the game is being offensive, you still want to be hard to play against. Right. You still want to make it difficult on those guys trying to score goals. I mean, but the days of the <laughs> shutdown D man, like a Matthias Nordstrom or a Larry Robinson are kind of out the window. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, exactly. But, but again, you know, they're, they're looking at, Hey, you want to defend? let's defend at the other end of the rink in the offensive zone. Okay. That's kind of their philosophy. I think for yeah. some team, not all of them. And again, in, in a few weeks now, we're going to see things tighten up. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're going to see a lot of six, five game. I'm, I don't know the, but it doesn't, I mean, <clears throat> well, the, the goals for now or the total goals now is somewhere around six, six and a half. You want to go ahead and bet on a game where, you know, I had buddies that would always call me and ask me and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, it, if it's five, uh, you know, five and a half go under if it's five, eh, probably go over. I mean, it's funny, all half a goal, but now you don't see any of them anymore. I mean, if you want to look on a betting line, everything starts with six, it's either six, six and yep. a half, there's some sevens and we're like, Whoa. But again, that's, you know, that that's entertaining for the fans. Yeah. So where were you when that puck went in on the bench where I belong? 
<laughs> I think I had just come back from a shift. Okay. I didn't. I, and honestly, at the time, I didn't see it. I, I, because there were so many guys from front of the net. Right. So I couldn't, I mean, all you hear is everybody yelling. Yeah. And so, and I was, and I just sat there. I, I was, a, Wilson, Rick Wilson had to say, buds, are you going out there? Like all the guys were out there celebrating. I was sitting on the bench. I didn't even move. Really? I stayed. Yeah. I stayed there. He actually punched me in the back and he says, Hey, you want to go out there now? The game's over. So, you know, it was just because Taking I was it all at in. Where, well, it was 13 years in between winning. The yeah. First round good point. And you, you get to a point where you're like, man, yeah, I know we're up a game here and we just got to get one more win. And you're playing against one of the best goaltenders in the, on the planet. Uh, we had one too, but you're like, I don't know this. And so you don't really, you don't really know if that's going to happen. And then when it does happen, you're like, it really just happened. Yeah. Now I can say uncle, now I'm done. So that that's kind of I was kind of in shock, I guess. Uh, whether it would have been, if it was in Game Seven, would it have been different? Probably not. I still would have sat there and thought, man, I, I never thought this was going to happen again. 